We are here on an early spring morn to worship in the spirit of wisdom, to celebrate life freely, honestly, to rejoice in the transforming power of love and respond to compassion's deep call. And so, though our ways of thinking and feeling about the meaning of our days may differ, we agree to journey together, side by side and face to face. Within this circle of strong spirit, mutual care, ethical vision, may we ourselves remain open to being transformed by the power of love and by our potential as bridge builders of our world. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. You are welcome here this morning, whoever you are, whatever you are, however you choose to live your life. We can bring all of who we are to this gathering of the Spirit, but this is a time set aside for reflection on what matters most to us. Here we explore what it is to be a human being, and we bring our questions, our doubts, our strongly held views perhaps, and hold them lightly allowing new truths and possibilities to emerge. Welcome. Welcome to you all. And may this chalice flame, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community, remind us of the sweet harmony that human beings can create. This is a short extract from one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons on loving our enemies, at the start of which he commented that this was a topic he felt he needed to return to at least once a year, for it's a topic that you can always learn more about through your own life experiences. Let us move from the practical how to the theoretical why. It's not only necessary to know how to go about loving our enemies, but also to go down into the question of why we should love our enemies. I think the first reason that we should love our enemies, and I think this was at the very centre of Jesus' thinking, is this, that hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. If I hit you and you hit me and I hit you back and you hit me back and so on, you see that goes on ad infinitum. It just never ends. Somewhere, somebody must have a little sense And that's the strong person. The strong person is the person who can cut off the chain of hate, the chain of evil. And that's the tragedy of hate, that it doesn't cut it it off. It only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. Somebody must have religion enough and morality enough to cut it off and inject it with the very structure of the universe, that strong and powerful element of love. My brother and I were driving one evening from Atlanta to Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was driving the car, and for some reason the drivers were very discourteous that night. They didn't dim their lights. Hardly any driver that passed by dimmed his lights. And I remember very vividly my brother A.D. looked over and in a tone of anger said, I know what I'm going to do. The next car that comes along here and refuses to dim the lights, I'm going to fail to dim mine and pour them on in all of their power. And I looked at him right quick and I said, no, no, don't do that. 
There'd be too much light on this highway and it will end up in mutual destruction for all. Somebody got to have sense on this highway. Somebody must have sense enough to dim the lights. And that's the trouble, isn't it? That as all of us... That as all of the civilizations of the world move up the highway of history, so many civilizations have looked at other civilizations that refuse to dim the lights, and they decided to refuse to dim theirs. And if somebody doesn't have sense enough to turn on the dim and beautiful and powerful lights of love in this world, the whole of our civilization will be plunged into the abyss of destruction. And we will all end up destroyed because nobody had any sense on the highway of history. Somewhere, somebody must have some sense. Men must see that force begets force, hate begets hate, toughness begets toughness, and it's all a descending spiral, ultimately ending in destruction for all and everybody. Somebody must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate and the chain of evil in the universe. And you do that by love. So let's take those uh, inspiring words from Martin Luther King Jr. into our time of prayer and reflection. Great Spirit, source of all that is, be with us now and bless all that we do and say together this day. Help us as we journey on the highways of life Guide us in how to live with our fellow travellers, how best to live with ourselves, with all our complexities and contradictions. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain and rejection so that we may reach out our hand to comfort others acknowledging their pain as well as their joy. And may God bless us with the foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim could never be done. And in a few moments now of shared stillness, I invite you to direct your thoughts and prayers to a place or a person or a cause that is calling for our understanding and love. May your love touch the love of others and build connections the world over, this day and all days. Amen.
Margaret Wheatley writes, As we work together to restore hope in the future, we need to include a new and a strange ally, and that is our willingness to be disturbed. Our willingness to have our beliefs and ideas challenged by what others think. No one person or perspective can give us the answers we need to the problems of today. Paradoxically, we can only find those answers by admitting we don't know. We have to be willing to let go of our certainty and expect ourselves to be confused for a time. Now, we weren't trained to admit that we don't know. Most of us were trained to sound certain and confident, to state our opinions as if it were true. We haven't been rewarded for being confused or for asking more questions rather than giving quick answers. And we've also spent many years listening to others mainly to determine whether we agree with them or not. We don't have time to sit and listen to those who think differently than we do. It's very difficult to give up our certainties, our positions, our beliefs, our explanations, because these help define us. They lie at the heart of our personal identity. Yet I believe, Margaret Wheatley writes, that we will succeed in changing this world only if we can think and work together in new ways. Curiosity is what we need. We don't have to let go of what we believe, but we do need to be curious about what someone else believes. We do need to acknowledge that their way of interpreting the world might be essential to our survival. Words from Margaret Wheatley. Do you want them on, Harold? <laughs> Let's try them on, and I tell you what, you can just take your own initiative if it drives you up the wall or you are struggling to hear. Just turn that thermostat down over there. In the meantime, I will speak as loudly and clearly as I possibly can. It's good that we start with something divisive. Um, You've probably heard different versions of this old Yorkshire saying. The whole world's a bit strange, set thee and me, and I'm not so sure about thee. (laughs) Well, that's the message of today's address. And the question I'm asking is, what might be helpful to us in living on a planet with 7.2 billion other people when most of us are thinking that everyone is a bit strange. (laughs) Except me, of course. How can the simple statement that we're in this together help us live our days in complex social structures of the 21st century? Well, let's have the good news. I think it's completely normal to engage in what we could describe as us and them thinking. Stage two of thinking that I'm me and the rest of you... Well, you're a bit weird. We each have a sense of our own individuality and we then seek to gather with people with whom we identify. And the possible groupings are many. 
family, geography, nationality, gender, education, religion, sports teams we support, music we like, on and on and on. I've long admired the work of psychologist Daniel Goleman, who writes in his book Social Intelligence, The New Science of Human Relationships. He writes that we humans are wired to connect, wired to connect. We're social beings who naturally gravitate towards one another. We like being able to say us as well as I. In his book on social intelligence, Goldman also explores an interesting feature of the human brain known as categorization. We seek order. We're constantly assessing the world around us and putting what we perceive neatly together, giving everything meaning. This is the cognitive basis of us and them thinking, where we humans sort out which camp we're in as us and then consider all those different from us as them. Goldman goes on to describe the process whereby this quite normal cognitive function develops into stereotyping and prejudice. A vague sense of anxiety, a tinge of fear, or mere uneasiness at not knowing the cultural signals of them can be enough to start the skewing of a cognitive category. The mind builds its evidence against the other with each additional disquiet, each unflattering media depiction, each feeling of having been treated wrongly, perhaps. As these incidents build, apprehension becomes antipathy and antipathy morphs into antagonism. Well, I don't know about you, but I certainly experience some of those feelings quite regularly. I feel a considerable disquiet almost every time I read or listen to the news. So what we might call us and them thinking is completely normal. It's been around forever and a day. It will never go away, as far as I can tell. But given the crowded and digitally connected nature of the world we live in today, I'd say we have an important task. I'd say that our task as spiritually and socially aware people, our task as people who care, is to move beyond the narrow categories in our minds and to work to develop a global awareness, to keep telling ourselves, we are in this together, all of us, our friends, our nations, our families, our sports clubs, and our enemies all those we don't identify with. We're all here together on planet Earth. And it's surely the most radical of Jesus' teachings. It's one of those that easy to say, hard to do. These are Jesus' words from Matthew's Gospel. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That is a very strong universalist message, that God makes no distinctions, so why do we? No wonder that Martin Luther King Jr. reckoned that loving our enemies was a topic he personally needed to return to each and every year. It's a message explored by many Christians. Listen to these words from Gene Robinson, the first openly gay man in a relationship to be appointed as a bishop. 
You may remember that he had to wear a bulletproof vest at his consecration, having received so many hate messages and death threats because he loves another man. Jean Robinson writes, God calls us to the hard work of compassion for our enemies. Some people may quarrel with that characterization, but we do have enemies, all of us. It's a word that Jesus used. The hard part is following that command to love our enemies, not to like them, not to be paralyzed by their opposition, not to give in to their outrageous demands, but to love them nonetheless, to treat them with infinite respect, to listen, to listen to what drives them, to try our best to understand the fear that causes them to reject us, to believe them when they say that they only want the best for us. That's hard work. And we can't do it without God's own spirit blowing through us like wind, breaking down our walls, causing our assumptions to come loose and reminding us that our enemies too are children of God. And this is a message echoed in all religious and spiritual traditions. In the Dharpada, a collection of the Buddha's sayings, we are reminded that hate is not conquered by hate. Hate is conquered by love. This is the eternal law. Now, none of these teachers are telling us to give up our identities, nor are they telling us to condone appalling behavior. There is a moral imperative, I believe, to hold on to our values and to seek to build a world of justice, equality, and love. We know, don't we, that hatred leads to dehumanizing of the other, That's what chills us so when we hear the words of those involved in genocide, the systematic targeting of particular groups simply because of their identity. This is what frightens us when we hear the messages of extremists the world over. They have lost a sense of common humanity. They are trapped in us and them thinking. And here is our task, I believe, as global citizens... Because in the face of us and them thinking, we have a tendency to join in too. If we listen to our current political discourse, we might start to think that there really is an enemy out there who can be defeated, or that locking people up will make us safe, or that building a wall is a sensible, people to keep pe- sensible way to keep people apart. I just don't believe it is. Yes, we must take care of ourselves. Yes, we need to take sensible steps to make our world as secure as we can. But in truth, there have always been differences between people. And our only way forward is to build bridges, not walls. To create connections, to explore differences in curiosity rather than fear. To seek understanding and to accept the complexity of the global situations we find ourselves in. Universalist poet Edwin Markham wrote these words. I've adapted them a little bit. They drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took them in. That's the challenge, 
to keep thinking of us all in one circle, living on one planet, well and truly in this together. And remembering, perhaps, that most of us are thinking most of the time that the whole world's a bit strange, except thee and me. And in truth, I'm not so sure about thee. Amen. And so, may our life's complexities become a little simpler. May our life's certainties be refreshed by doubt. May the blessing of spring's beauty touch our hearts in the days ahead. And may our presence in this world bring a blessing to all those we meet along the way. Amen. Go well and blessed be.